0: what up what up what up we're back
1: with another episode Uh,
0: thank you for sticking with us week to week it's everett it's between two posts connor what do you have there
1: i got a little package from uh, coral springs florida if you know you know it's never sunday it's never sunday baby i'll tell you that for free
0: um it's connor alongside everett alongside moiser alongside
1: painter connor before you jump how are you everything good uh yeah, you know what? I'm just trying to uh Whoa. keep my wits together here. And it's it's OHL season if uh, if you know you know, so it's it's a good time. And I got we got some big stuff
0: coming out in the next couple of weeks, Huge. which I could not be more excited about. Huge, bro. That's neither here nor there. Um Moiser. Zach Bryan came out or uh yeah.
2: Brian and... tickets.
0: Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Benner. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Moiser, uh, <laughs> some new music dropped. What are our thoughts? You got Turnpike. You got ZB. Um, the Turnpike stuff. I mean, put our fans onto that. Be the put-on prince here.
3: Dude, they don't need me to put them on. They already
0: know. Everyone already knows. <laughs> Everyone already knows. Um, What about... So how many times have you gone through the Zach Bryan album?
3: I literally have just been alternating... Zach Bryan and Turnpike back and forth for the last seventy-two hours or however long we've had the albums out.
0: Now were those photoshopped pictures or is he truly running Zach Bryan is running the, the all time streams on uh on uh Spotify?
3: I think he's running it. Because for a while there it was uh was our boy Oliver. Over Anthony or whatever his name was, and now uh, it's literally one through ten. It's like Zach Bryan.
0: Like I don't. How do I get to like Spotify top track I don't know. How,
3: like I don't know how you do it, but the one that people need to run the hell up is uh El Dorado or whatever, because that's the one where all the money goes to the uh like the veterans, yeah, and the uh, mental. Is health. that the one?
2: where he it's like a song about war so i know he wanted to do that a while ago
3: no it's it's about uh one of his friends that uh was a marine i guess that killed himself
0: um, oh I th- okay i thought that was pronounced el dorado and when he started singing i was like i think he's saying it wrong uh, <laughs> i think funny. there's as i'm th- wrong obviously
3: i think there i think I think there is an El Dorado, but I think for people from uh Oklahoma, like El Dorado, wherever. So El Dorado, uh Oklahoma. I don't know if it's El Dorado, El Dorado Canvas or El Dorado, Oklahoma, but I think that there's one that's okay. pronounced El Dorado and one that's pronounced El Dorado.
0: Okay. It's spelled um,
3: exactly the same way. But there's two of the same names, and that's they they like pronounce each one differently uh
0: but yeah zach bryan and casey musgraves with that uh feature share the top spot he's got hay driver at six and this is the usa top 50 uh he's on the 8 9 and 10 spot he's on the 12 spot 13 spot 14 spot 15 spot holy roller at 19 that was a good one el dorado at 25 26 he's on 28 the whole fucking album's on here 29 31
2: Yeah. So, yeah.
0: It, it, 38 oklahoma sun which i thought was sweet um is he not is he not bigger than morgan wallen is the conversation i need to ask you i don't like the morgan wallen music i don't like the beats in this country and like this mix like fake shit maybe that's what i call it but is morgan wallen still bigger than zach bryan not that I want to pit them against each other, but that's my question. Dude,
3: I there was like a like a rolling I read like the Rolling Stone review on Zach Bryan's album. And like it's funny. And even Mitch Mitch and I literally the day it came out, we went and we just like put it on a speaker and we were literally just fucking sitting on the back of my truck listening to it. But uh it was literally it's like two different genres now almost. Like yeah, there's like well, I mean, then you you always hear it like there's pop country, which is like Morgan Wallen and like, I mean, even Luke Combs and like some of those other guys. And then there's like, I don't know if you want to call it country or folk or Americana, but like they call
0: it well, they're calling like Zach Bryan and uh uh fuck, what's his name um Childers, like uh, like, uh well, I've heard outlaw country, that's yeah. like the it's new genre that's now. coming up.
3: But it, it like I think right now I don't think anyone is touching Zach Bryan. I mean Taylor Swift maybe, but at Taylor Swift and fucking if you if you really want to get technical uh Richmond north of Richmond. But I mean that's <laughs> like dude, I feel like all the people are like that is everyone has just been playing like even fucking uh my little brother who does not like country like all that much like he, he he was asking me if like he was asking me about that oliver anthony guy and i was like yeah. oh fuck you're listening to him holy shit
0: um i don't know the The reason i ask is zach Bryan came to michigan and played in grand rapids at van dandel where the grand rapids fucking griffins play um oh, yeah. great barn like super small though and morgan Wallen packed ford field back-to-back nights friday and a saturday So that's just where my understanding of this. And that I think that goes into like how you manage your tour and stuff and like whatever. So I was trying to figure out the popularity based on that.
3: Well, guess, guess who's headlining Ohio stadium on, uh, I think June 22nd next year. Who is it? ZB baby.
0: Are you, you going where, where is this?
3: He just, he just released his new tour dates. He's coming
2: to Omaha. Come down Everett. (laughs) On my way. On my way. Um, April 26th. six. I'm buying tickets no matter what it happens. Mine too. Uh,
0: where's this? What's where's this arena at?
3: Which Moiser. one? Which? Moiser. Oh, it's, it's like the it's the fucking uh the shoe the horseshoe.
0: Oh, at Ohio Truck State. Safe Light. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was Safe Light Arena.
3: Ohio like, State. Oh, I don't know. Maybe it is now, but the shoe. Um.
0: I just I re- the only reason I know that is because the Shane Gillis's bit, I guess when you're yeah, going to watch that. watch a game at like he, I maybe Notre Dame was at Ohio State or something, but yeah. he was just making fun of them like touchdown brought to you by Safe Light Safe Light repairs Safe, <laughs> Safe Light replays.
2: Safe flight feels rocking tonight, boys.
0: Um, yeah, he's got United Center in Chicago. Does he have a Detroit Toronto Scotia Bank? Maybe this is the real deal one. Brooklyn, he's at Barclays. Oh, so maybe this tour is going to be bigger. I don't yeah. know how any he's of that works. He's coming to
2: CenturyLink, which is like an 18,000, seat venue. He's at T-Mobile in concert. Vegas.
0: Gillette. Oh, Gillette would be sick in Foxborough. Outdoor, oh. unreal. There's nothing on Michigan, though. Way she goes. Yeah, I'm telling you,
2: I'm buying two tickets. You just got to come down. You don't have to pay for the tickets, pal. Come down, mm-hmm. On Monday, though,
0: this is really bumming me out.
2: That fucking sucks. Guess yeah. I'm gonna you have to register for the pre sale, which is what I did. College Station would be sick.
0: Um, yeah, he's opening at Pinnacle in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, that's
2: coming up here.
0: Oh, fuck. yeah, that's the end of the month. Um, and
2: then-
0: Go ahead, Painter.
2: Oh, and then he's got the one in April for this new tour.
0: Painter, what Century the fuck Omaha. are you
2: wearing? What do you mean? My Steve. Grateful Dead hockey shirt?
0: That's a. Okay. That explains a lot. Anyways. I'm a hippie. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Moiser, anything else new with you?
3: Um, Nothing new, really, dude. Just fucking grinding away. Someone backed into. One of our light poles at Razzles yesterday, so spent all morning working on that and putting a new one in tomorrow, so.
0: You're a union uh, member electrician, right?
3: Yeah I, yeah, I know enough to get by. Definitely not union. Don't take <laughs> enough breaks. <laughs> by
0: the way. Um, yeah, that's tough. That's a tough fix. Not the way you want it to go. Are you, uh, you gearing up for the season? Are you going to? Do any cams? Are you gonna is Cleveland gonna give you the nod?
3: No, absolutely not. Actually, there's a there's a uh at the well at the end of uh September, I think, there's like an American League ref camp in Cleveland. And okay. uh they have like they have like dummy games. And the other day they texted me and they're like, Hey, we if we throw you a couple bucks. Will you play some dummy games for us for these American League refs? I said, fine.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Getting on. paid to play, man. That's pro. <laughs>
3: yeah, exactly. No, and <laughs> then uh well, I, actually uh what would have been Saturday? Mitch and I uh it was like me, Mitch, uh Brad Thiessen and uh Jock Collander did uh Kivy Day and they did uh free camps the monsters did like free goalie camps in honor Very of cool. uh, in honor of kivy so that was pretty cool to be a part of that and got to cross paths a little bit with kivy just through buddies and stuff like that but obviously a really good kid and it was a cool cause to be a part of i know the day before they did uh they like repainted one of the rinks around here um And then uh, they did a couple free player camps earlier in the day, I think. And then they did a couple free goalie, like and I say camps, but like an hour clinic or whatever, a couple sessions. And then I think they do uh, like a gear donation to a bunch of programs. They donate goalie gear. So pretty cool how they're keeping him, uh, his legacy alive. And and, uh, you know, obviously turning something really sad into, you know, a, a little bit of a bright spot, if you will. But uh Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So what you're saying is though with these ref camps, your 2.0 is still alive.
3: What's that mean?
0: You're, this is your year 2 pro. Yeah. <laughs> <Dude. laughs>
3: um I I keep thinking about it and it's just like it, it feels like I and I'm fucking like 27 or 28 whatever I am and just it just feels like every day I wake up and there's like some new pain I have in my body and I like think I'm like dude if I okay so like last year you know I I probably seemed like a couple times a month I was out with those guys and yeah I think like now I'm like okay if I try and do that next year like I'm probably going to seriously hurt myself like I can you I can't even roll out of bed without like my back feeling like it's in an earthquake or something
0: buddy give it three more years just wait till the big 3 creeps up on you it's gonna hurt way way worse oh, fuck painter you got a lot of time you know what i do love i love how close you and me are i'm so happy
3: dude that guy's such a beauty unreal he's actually, he's actually the man he uh did i tell you well this uh, yeah i could talk about this on here who gives a shit he uh so my brother's fiance's dad uh got like a new rental house and Meech like he didn't hate his apartment, but I, I think he would have definitely preferred to live in a house. So I, I like for told, sure. I told Will's, uh, Will's future father-in-law, I was like, Hey, I got a, I got a, a couple guys looking for a, a house. Like if you'd be interested in having them. And I mean, like it's Meech and then Mark Latest, he lives with Mark Latest too. If you know that name at all. Oh, no way. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> i was like i yeah those guys i mean they're both grown-ass men but uh so so it just worked out and Meach started moving in a couple days ago he's moving in over there so he's literally living right down the street from my little brother
0: (laughs) um you know what the beauty of that though for uh for your his your brother's almost sort of father-in-law or whatever it is yeah um like you want to talk about good referrals to like rent your property out to and you don't have to worry about fucking holes in the walls or parties or like issues. That's gotta be and so nice.
3: And that's like it's like kind of a work in progress. Like it's a it's a well kept house, but I mean it was just he just got it and there was some stuff that like needed done and and that's the thing with Mitch is like Mitch is the most fucking like laid back, like I don't give a shit about anything kind of guy. Like it's nice for for uh The guy renting it because now it's like okay like i have a guy here that i can kind of work around and he's not gonna bitch about it and i mean that thing is is they leave for he leaves for columbus's camp in like a week and a half or something like that so yeah that starts up i mean that's like the heat of the season he's barely home
0: yeah especially when you're on the road that's pretty much the end of it um fuck there was something else i was gonna tell you about but i don't got it painter what's new with you man anything good
2: Golfing, set a personal best at the par 3 course by my house the other day. Just just grinding away. Coaching, gearing up for the uh, travel season. Kind of pumped, kind of nervous about it. We'll see how it goes. What's
0: Coaching one of the skills guys. you're going to teach these goalies this year?
2: Uh, how to, when wanting to do, go into their shitty RVHs that we're going to work on, sometimes it's nice to throw in the old VH, you know? Throw the old VH in, and then you can push over nice. You know, Mika did it for I don't know, fifteen years. And Why can't getting, you do the VH?
0: And he's getting his number retired with a pack of darts. Um,
2: Damn right. You know, camel crushes, baby.
0: Maybe Moiser will laugh at me, but that is something I've been trying to teach kids because they're for the level that <sighs> we're at. We deal with a lot of like let goal line net drives and like not quickly, you know, and. I worry about the kids at this age trying to teach them like there's a handful of kids that I've gotten that have have been taught how to RVH, except once a player hits the hash marks, they're in the RVH and they can't get over laterally when the kid wraps the net and like continue moving. So I've actually gone to teaching them stand up on the post just like Al Stalock. After I saw that video, I'm like, fuck, why can't we just like reincorporate this again? if a guy drives or has the opportunity, you can go into a stand up on your goal line or your VH and get him out of this RVH thing constantly.
3: Well, I think even when we had Al on, we talked, me and him, like talked about it a little bit, like, cause I, I think I brought up, I think at the end, what did I, I asked him if there's any like old stuff and he said, he said, and I, I was the same way too, like VH on your glove side. Cause you don't blocker side. It's kind of hard cause you have your stick in the way, like the way you're, your arm is set up on that side it's hard but glove side i love i love vh yep but blocker again blocker side it's just brutal But like that i mean that's like something everyone was just so horny about the the rvh for so long i feel like people just forgot about it and even uh neil like the one summer i skated a couple times with him like he would he was still kind of like harping on uh like vh glove side and again yeah. like he, he kind of was the same school of thought as I was where I don't really like it on blocker side just because there's so much interference and the way everything's set up naturally, you kind of get pushed off. So you give up that short side, but that glove side, I fucking love it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've been trying to incorporate the stand up, And again, this is like a, a small percentage play, but when it does happen, I think the kids have to make a decision, but standing up on your feet, feet together, or you find a way to VH you can better address like a drive rather than trying to go into a reverse and creating all these holes. And I think when you hit 14, 15, you can really figure that out pretty easily. Cause you've seen it on TV a thousand times. So, yeah. um, Evan Moyes, do you have anything else for me?
3: Uh, not off the top of my head, dude. What's what's your favorite song off the new Zach Bryan album? Let me go through. Oklahoma
0: sun's really good. Um, did he just self-title this album? That's pretty sick. Yeah, the opening with the poem version of Fear and Fridays was incredible. Um, what is it? Is it overtime? Oh, I like Hay Driver oh. a lot. Yeah, the overtime with the kid, <laughs> and we're gonna go real fast. Wow, me and we're going left. From uh, was it, is that ripped from Dana Beard's uh,
2: yeah it's a Dana beers video.
0: Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Because I, I saw that clip the other time, like fuck yeah. Um, tourniquet, El Dorado. I think I like Oklahoma Sun. That's my top. Holy Dude, I no! Not- I, sorry, Holy Roller is gonna be it. That one sets with me really
3: good. I don't. I think. Uh, How about you? I really like. I like the. I like. Two through four. I like overtime, summertime's close, and east side is sorry. Hold on. Those are my go-tos. But uh no, the Casey Musgraves one fired me up too, because I I think it was hold on. Let me let me double check here before I before I open my big fat mouths, Mouth I
0: think Painter just got yelled at. um i remember everything by kate with zach bryan and casey musgraves muskrats
3: oh nope i'm looking at it and open my big mouth there's dude there's some i thought it was casey musgraves but there's some singer when i played knoxville that, that she was a country singer and she's a bigger name she'd always come on the jumbotron her, really? her and her paid manning They'd they'd all like they'd always have them doing the announcements like on the jumbotron, and I'd look up and I'd be like, "Why the f- why hey, why the fuck is Peyton Manning on on our fucking jumbotron in the Southern Pro League?" And this girl too. It might have been Casey Musgrave though, but I don't know. It was it was someone from Knoxville,
0: Knoxville Tennessee. Um. Well, yeah, that's all I got. I don't get anything either. So I guess next, we don't, I guess we don't have
3: very interesting lives.
0: Well, I think we do, but a lot of mine's just bitching right now, so I'm trying to What do you
3: What do you have to bitch about? Uh
0: work. Work is yeah. every day is insane. We're just trying to get the game one. I think Amen. that's like Oct- October 10. Get the game one.
3: Are you guys catching up?
0: Yeah, I mean, things are good. It's just it's really hectic. You know, videos coming out. We got content that needs to get made. We got this that's got to get done. Making sure that everybody's, you know, invoiced and making sure blockers are getting done. And um, we're not caught up by any means, but, like, things are in a really good spot. But it's just constant chaos every day. And all you got to do is you go in there and you fight your battles and you give it your goddamn all and uh, you show them some blue-collar grit and whatever happens, happens, right?
3: You know, people got to remember, they're getting a hell of a fucking... Hell of a fucking product, American made, made by people that actually give a shit about it. You got people that have worked there for fucking 40 fucking years, love their life, showing up there every day. So, you know, I think people just got to remember, this is a fucking product that it's worth waiting for. And you're going to enjoy the hell out of it when you got it.
0: Oh, yeah, brother. Hell yeah. Um, shout out. Shout out 40 years. Steve Fowley. Damn, 40 years. Um, shout out Steve Fowley. Fowler, Steve Fowley uh folly's the man uh he looks over every piece like i said i asked him to come on and he said no i'd be boring but he's a long time listener, listener never time caller to the pod so unbelievable guy
3: i've never um, met him in my life do you like my comment on the, on the post so fuck yeah. <laughs> I, he dropped his crown i was giving it back to him
0: <laughs> <laughs> incredible so Alright boys, I'll see you next week uh, To the listeners, shout out Thank you for listening, thank you for being a part of this Listen, like, subscribe, tell a friend And uh, we'll keep it rolling We'll see you next week We're getting closer to hockey season So buckle the fuck up See ya okay. Welcoming to the podcast Standing at 5 foot and 8 inches Originally all the way from New Westminster, British Columbia He played for the Japanese national team It's Emo Dasuti, (laughs) aka Dusty Emo, the goalie therapist. Dusty, how are you?
4: Right on. Great, great intro, man. I'm doing well.
0: Yeah, that, that, uh, the, the Japanese name under the like pronunciation, like makes my stomach turn a little bit just because I couldn't figure (laughs) it out. I'm like, this is going to get butchered either way. So (laughs) you did pretty
4: good. You did pretty good.
0: You got to wear it. Um, Dusty, what's up, man? Things been good. Summer been good.
4: Yeah. No, it's been great. Yeah. Here in White Rock, actually, we had a, have had a great Rena weather so it's all been good.
0: Where where are you at now for the summer Are you still like l a? Did you guys go back to Canada or
4: no I'm in White Rock, British Columbia.
1: Okay. So you went back? Yeah. Good. Hey, yeah. fires are all right out there. like how's the uh
4: you know what here I haven't noticed it. We had a couple days where it maybe was a little bit smoky. I didn't notice it. My family noticed it, but uh my daughter who was just here this past weekend with my grandkids they were up in barrier north of Kamloops, and it's pretty bad up there. Um, they are getting a lot of the Kelowna stuff, um, like pretty low-level uh, smoke and everything. But here, I haven't noticed it.
0: I'm trying to look it up. There's a kid we deal with, Weapon X goalie, Instagram famous. Used to be Little Weapon, but like Soldier Boy, you dropped the little after a while, right? Or no, Soldier never had little. It was Little Bow Wow. Once you get older, you drop the little on that. But uh, Weapon X, I'm trying to figure out where he's from, but he's out there, and he, he him and his family live really, really close. And his dad oh, was really? posting pictures of the fires, and I was like, "That's nuts." Yeah, it's uh, it was definitely a tough summer to be Canadian. I, I'd say <laughs> <laughs> between Montreal or uh, not Montreal, but no, um, Quebec and uh, and BC, it's a little hot up there. A yeah,
4: yeah, they're um, all over the place, man.
0: Oh, there it is. Okay. Yeah, Bill. Uh, shout out Bill. He listens to the uh the pod a lot. I'm trying to find out where he's from, but he posts a lot. But anyways, Dusty, again, thank you for hopping on here. We want to sure. talk about all things goalies, and I wanted to kick it back. Uh, I looked at your you know EP, your elite prospect, all hockey DB, and uh, you were born in in Western Canada. Played in the dub. Played in uh, the BC a little. Well, the first version of the BC it looked like. Mm-hmm. Um. But my first question I had is. What was the dub, the WHL like back then? And I I mean, back then kind of maybe that's a, um, I I don't want to yeah. sound offensive by any means and agent at all. <laughs> but like everybody knows me, me and Connor talk about this a lot. Like hockey's changed, like, you know, oh, fighting oh, yeah. the and like hanging on to guys has changed. But the dub was always famous for being like the toughest
1: league in the CHL. Right. Yeah, what it was, was the like? tough guy. It was the tough guy league. Like you were if you came out of the dub during that era, you were like nails.
4: Yeah, it was definitely different. It was kind of weird too, because I, my first year uh, when I came in, I played for the the New Westminster Bruins, and it, from the beginning, I played four years in the dub. By the end, it, it was still super t- a lot of tough guys, but it was changing. As far as when I first got in, it was, I don't know if it was because I was only sixteen, seventeen, but it was like crazy. There were bench brawls all the time line brawls multiple a game and uh like at my team for example when I got there we had uh, just three four rookies myself Stu Barnes Steve Jakes and one other guy Greg Spenrath the rest were like we had uh, <laughs> Link Gates Scott Daniels Ewan uh geez uh Darrow McPherson Bomber like these are all on one team and uh, it was all night every. And then we'd play against, you know, Saskatoon had Twist, Clark, Chase, Kaminsky, all on one team.
1: Like this so, is a wild lineup. <laughs> like I'm crazy. talking
4: when we would go on the Eastern swing, nobody was talking about anything, but who's going to fight who, like that was the big <laughs> thing. We'd roll into PA and there'd be Kimball and all these guys. And I remember Scott Daniels families from out there and the whole family would be there just to watch Scott fight. And they were proud of it. It was like, it was just a different world back then. And then as by the end, when I, you know, when I went to Lethbridge, we still had tough guys and stuff, but it was I don't know, my first year, I was just, my eyes were wide open the whole time. I just couldn't believe it.
0: <laughs> well, and you brought up your age, too, and, like, this is obviously still today. Being 16, 17 and walking into any league in the CHL, like, you're early. You're obviously, you know, pretty elite at your age. But, man, the difference between a, a 16, a 17-year-old and a 19-year-old that's been there for two, three years, Yeah. like, they're looking at guys like they're men and they're massive, you know, they're built out. They probably have, you know, 50 pounds on them. And yeah. Like you said, being at that age and watching these guys just go toe to toe and have a bench players, it's kind of be a little eye opening. <laughs> yeah, well, my... bringing the brass knuckles every night.
4: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it was even it was even crazy in the BC uh, hockey league when I started. I my first year I was fifteen. Yep, I played fifteen and sixteen uh, in 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 the BC hockey league, and even then, man, I I don't even I think I was like one hundred thirty pounds soaking wet when I first started. And it was just like I was hanging out with OAs, like 20-year-olds, 19-year-olds, and everybody, there's no shields either. Like, people are just full on. I think even the one year we had two Oh, hell yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. hell yeah. That would yeah. Be sweet.
4: Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was even in the BC Hockey League, there were real tough guys in fights and bench brawls. But it was a whole nother level when I went up to the WHL. But, yeah, it was a different world back then back there
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely uh the other thing I want to touch on too and I like asking guys like you know like Kirk and you, that played a different type of goaltending like you saw so many waves of it going from junior to pro you mm-hmm. know how goalie evolved but the one thing that I think it's always interesting and we talk about this at the office like I don't know if you've ever met uh, one of our other reps Adam Burkle who uh was drafted by Atlanta one at so, Denver
4: sounds familiar I don't know if I have
0: He's from Minnesota, but he talked about growing up, like, I what is Berkey? Like, he's got to be like a, an early 80s birth year. Yeah. So right around in that wheelhouse, just to give you a frame of mind, but he didn't have a goalie coach. You just kind of watched what was on TV. He was watching the wild, and then you go out and you do skates and you try to, like, recreate what you see. And you don't know a how or why, unlike today, where everything's broken down when you were a kid developing and trying to learn how to play goal, what were you going off of? What were you basing it off of? Or was it just go out and like just stop the puck? Like literally throw the body get in the way?
4: I was just all about just diving around, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. There was there was nothing. I, I I just looked up to guys like Grant Fear and, and you know, when I was real little, it really was only about the gear and the mask. And they were like kind of like superheroes. You know, they had this real cool identity about them. Yeah. But I couldn't have told you how Jerry Chevers or Dryden or any of these guys played. I just thought they looked cool. And then as I got a little bit older and saw guys like Grant Fuhrer and the big glove saves, I was like, man, that's my <laughs> jam. Like, I'm all about that. So I was really good at it, at just <laughs> diving around. And, yeah, I didn't have a goalie coach. We finally had one in New Westminster when I went to the WHL, but it was like, now I don't want to be disrespectful, but it was like, <laughs> it was not uh, a lot of coaching going on. <laughs> it, it, and I, I wasn't very coachable probably back then either. Cause I was just all about just doing my thing. Yeah. Things it definitely evolved. It's, it's interesting. Cause I, if you just include junior in my pro career, I went in the eighties, nineties and two thousands. Yeah. And, when I remember at the tail end of my career, I was back one summer, and uh, Oli and I um, are real close. Uh, Oli Kolzig and I, and Oli was in town, and he's like, he called me up, and he says, "Hey man, I'm, i I got this uh, goalie coach coming out, uh, and want to work on some of this new stuff, right? And you want to come out?" and And I said, "Yeah, sure, I'll come out." So we went to, to the rink and. Uh, I'm trying to think of who the goalie coach was, but it was a younger guy, right? And someone that was being, learning about the new techniques and stuff, goalie coach wise, was Billy, uh, Billy Ranford. And I've known Billy since I was 16. And he was, I think maybe with the Giants when he first started. And so he's trying to pick up all this new stuff. So it's me and Ole and Dan Cloutier, the three of us and these two goalie coaches. And they're teaching us all the all this stuff. And Kluch already knew all the new stuff. And and Oli and I were in there and we were getting so pissed because it just wasn't how we were playing, right? <laughs> but we're kind of evolving as we go along. And uh it was just a really interesting time back then because it was really changing fast, right? Yeah. And I remember Vaughn would keep sending me the the new shit, the new stuff. And I get really mad. I'm like, I don't want this. Like, (laughs) I wore the same T1050 glove my whole career.
1: The 1050. (laughs) Yeah, unreal.
4: (laughs) I wore it the whole right to the end. Like they sent me every glove along the way. I have some of them still in storage, but I would wear them once, and I'd be like, no. Yeah. I wore the same glove my whole career. (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's wild. Do you have any 1050s laying around the house still? You got a yeah, I, I
4: have a I have a bag and I kept one uh one glove and one blocker. I don't have any pads, but uh I kept the glove. Just and, Oh, and I kept the chesty because I wore the <laughs> I wore this I'm same. scared to hear
1: this model number actually.
4: <laughs> I don't even know the model, dude. It but I would uh I would get the trainer in Japan. Jabba was unreal. He he was our translator too. And he would cut the shit out of this stuff because I hated it up high. So I would yank it right down so you could see my whole collarbone and I would cut it all up. And you know how those, those pieces on the chest, on the shoulders are like three of them Yeah, and I cut them all off and I just, I, I kept it though, because Oh, and I cut the bottom like about that much to the bottom of it off because I wore it inside and I like it tucked down, and it was looking. like what was like- left
1: in that chest and arm? Like what? <laughs> what's left there to use?
4: Uh, dude, I- I'll send you one. One. one, <laughs> one uh, I'll text you to pick after, but it's crazy, unreal. I took it to L.A. just to show the guys because L. When I was in L.A., Vaughn made me haul new shit for because uh, they wanted me to have it. Uh. And I did finally get all new stuff. And, uh, but I wanted to show the trainer. I said, Hey, I want you to <laughs> cut this new stuff <laughs> oh up. Can you, can you do this? And he looked at me like I was on drugs. Cause <laughs> he couldn't believe it. He goes, what are you thinking? He goes, I, I won't do it. I can't do that. I said, well, I can't play with this. So I'll just wear the old one then. So oh they cut it God. up. And, yeah.
1: <laughs> that's unreal.
0: I mean, and that's one of those two, when you show the guys that you're dealing with, like, Peter and those guys like hey this is what I used to wear and they're complaining about getting smaller and they already like what what they wear compared to what you have is already a tank and that's with it trimmed down and everything and you're like guys it ain't so bad look I used to wear a t-shirt with some foam in it <laughs> <laughs>
1: legit a t-shirt oh my god
4: I actually just had a kid one of my clients a junior kid he just texted me asking if uh, I knew of any good uh, neck guards because he's been getting hit in the collarbone and I'm like, dude, I'm the wrong guy to ask. I so I, I text Cal because Cal Peterson wears that shirt thing yeah. underneath. To because I don't know those brands and stuff, but uh, yeah, I'm not the right guy. I literally wore a tur- an actual turtleneck from a just a cotton store from a store I bought because. Guys like Kirk McLean and all back in the day, you know what? Yeah, the the turtle turtle I thought it looked yeah. so cool, right? That is and, wild. But there's nothing on it. You know, that's the only thing I didn't like when Grant he had that big massive DNR Martian thing around his neck. I hated that. But uh yeah, no, I I didn't wear any of that stuff.
0: That's too funny. Um no, Dusty, you brought up a great point. And we talk about this, me, Connor, and all the guys like a lot because where goalie gear is, is like the reason I jumped into it was back when I was growing up, we had like Franklin street hockey gear and we were all playing street hockey. And mm-hmm. my dad, like I grew up playing hockey and stuff, but I was like, dad, can we get like the USA set? Or there was the flame set. And this is just street hockey. And mm-hmm. I wanted, and I got it. And I played goalie and street hockey all the time. But back for me, at least, and a lot of kids, and I think I think a lot of players in general, goalies, You get into it for the gear, even today, right? But you don't have the iconic looks that you used to have with Cheevers, um, Kirk McLean, all those looks, uh, Mm. you know, uh, Coco, um, those certain looks of guys that had pads, like the black pads, Andy Moog with his mask in Boston. You don't have that today because everything's constantly changing. And we as a company, amongst other companies, you always have a new graphic coming out. So you're trying to push that so that way guys can see little kids see it on TV, they go to the store, they want the same V10 pad or they want the SLR three pad or whatever. Yeah. But back then, man, they had such iconic looks, Patrick Waugh, um, Richter, all those guys. And you just, you knew them by their gear. Right. Totally. And I think that's unfortunately one of those missing parts today. I don't, because of marketing the way people buy stuff now, everything's changed, but man, I loved those classic looks back then. And just, uh, it was iconic stuff.
4: Totally, I I I miss, and I think it's a shame because I'll tell you what: if you, my mask, as soon as I was able to have whatever I wanted, I had the same Spider-Man mask my whole career. You know, I I I would tweak it a little bit. Like uh, the first one I had, just had the Spider-Man's on the sides, both the same, just juxtaposed. But I then i switched to spider-man on top and venom and carnage on the side and then once i had that i just it stayed the same the only change was i went from a team that was red black and white to red uh, blue and white and all i did was have them change the black to the blue but i kept the exact same they they asked me all the time cuz the artists love to do different stuff and they would kind of get annoyed but i just kept it the same because and the reason why and i had the same pretty much always the same just all red pads with black trim that was i just remembered the goalies back when i was growing up you knew right away and that's exactly what you said and they had this identity to them yeah and and now it's like every year the kids are changing it, and getting something totally different on their mask and, and now the mask the, the artists are so good you can't even tell what it is anymore like unless you actually have the mask in front of you, mm-hmm. then it looks cool but from a distance the the coloring balance is not c- cool and it you know you had simpler masks back in the day, you know some of the the Harrison masks you know like like Felix, for example, he wore the same, design and he would just change the color right and that's what i think was i think i wish people would go back to that like you know like that's why like quickie for years kept the same one and now at the end here he's kind of switching little bits and and stuff he he's letting guys do what they want a little more but when he went to vegas i was jacked because he went back to his old set you know the was it 12 2012 set yeah yeah. And I was like, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, that's how you remember him, you know? Yeah. And I, I just, I miss that.
0: Yeah. Cause, and, and like you said, he had the night's mask and that was always the iconic look his V4 graphic. Like we get kids today, uh, this summer alone, I'll probably have five to five to 10 kids. That'll be like, Hey, can I get the quickie? And like, oh, you yeah. don't have to ask them which quickie it's just the V4. And then we yeah. figure out what their colors, what they need. And like, we draw it up. So like, I don't know, it's a banger um i was trying to think of other guys like we were talk. we always talk about this modern guys that have style like jimmy howard with the wings back when he had the iceberg like when you think of howie ice like you know exactly what people say if you're a goalie right, right. white pad with the bottom red iceberg like iconic look so mm-hmm. but you don't you like today you just you don't have that and the other thing you talk about mask painters and <clears throat> gear like i went to the nhl hall of fame you know uh, the hockey hall of fame uh what was it last summer or last winter? Mm-hmm. And I normally I don't get into that. I wanted to take my fiance just as a joke to like show her all this stuff. But the one thing I did want to see is they had the mask collection that's kind of constantly mm-hmm. changing. And you look at how some of those were so personalized, because you get away from that today because it has to be team-centered, right? But like everything was still so personalized where you had something that was you and you had something that's like this is Dusty or this is Connor, or, this is everything. Right. Where today everything's blending where it's just team logos or it's different renditions of the city. You don't get that little bit of like, Oh, this is, you know, this is Spencer Knight or this is Peter Marazza. Right. It's just team logo, team logo, team colors. And then it says, you know, Rikes at the chin or another, <laughs> yeah. like I miss having that, like real, that true sense of self in your expression with gear, but mm-hmm. times change, right? Everything's yeah. evolving.
1: Well, I mean, yeah. guys are getting gear now. Like, you know, there's, I mean, have you know this? Like, some guys are getting 12, 14 sets a year. Yeah. Yes. And, like with helmets, they got to make whatever helmet they make, they got to make two at a time. So yeah. they're changing stuff so often, it's there's, they just don't keep it anymore. Yeah.
4: It's crazy. I, 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 even when, you know, I'd been in, in the NHL for a while, I, it's still, I never got used to how often and how much gear it's like crazy yeah it's insane actually and it's admirable in the sense that guys can wear that stuff like like that Mm -hmm. i because i oh man i i hated new gear i hated
1: it yeah i was the same yeah i like if i the longest i could keep a pant and chest and arm the better if i could keep it as long as it held together i was i loved it but yeah as soon as i had to get new pants or a new chest i'm like this is going to be a disaster for like a month (laughs)
4: <laughs> I, I I have a, uh, a friend of mine. While well, I worked with him, he's a friend now. But Simone uh he has all Vaughn stuff, and he's from Czech Republic. And he's um, I I coached him when I was in the KHL, and he he's got he's kind of stuck to. He's one of the odd guys, and I love him for it. He's this got, dudes.
0: This dude's nuts,
1: Dusty. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs>
4: I know, I know, I know. I'll tell you a side story anyways, uh, later. But he, he had the same, that that uh, pinstripe thing look and the same bo- boring plain mask, but it was Oh yeah, all- he
1: has the sock. He does the sock wrap. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: That's the sock one, yeah. And um, <laughs> we we just start working together and we were getting along really well. I went into the dressing room one day and I was going to shoot the shit with him and I grabbed his pads and I <laughs> I went to, you know, push on them a little bit, you know, just to feel them. And he was like, No.
0: No, don't touch them.
4: Touch. And I I thought, what? What are you talking about? He's he's like, You're gonna soften them up. He he's like, they need to be he apparently you guys have made them even stiffer or something.
1: This guy's pads. You could stand on them with a Mack truck and they will not <laughs> flex. It is unbelievable. It's crazy. I don't know how he does it.
4: He texted me this summer. He said, yep, they did it. They they made them stiffer. And I, I, I felt them before. We're
0: going to take a real quick break from the show to talk about one of our presenting uh, sponsors here. And that is Easy Crease. Take your goaltending development to the next level by giving your goalies a crease every drill as they should have. I'm sure you remember when you were a kid you are doing half-ice stuff and you have no idea where you're at. You're lost, no man's land, wrong turn at Albuquerque, you know, stuff like that. Easy Crease quickly and easily gives goalies a crease anywhere on the ice. It works great for small area games, goalie clinics, or just anytime time your goalie doesn't have a crease. Be sure to order now at www.easycrease.com, spelled exactly how it sounds, or check them out on Amazon back to the show
4: and i couldn't bend them
0: yeah it's I,
1: incredible it's it's wild
0: let's see how many views his real oh can i not see that from the uh, desktop but i'm on instagram he posted that video this year oh he got 11 11000 views i mean that's not a lot but it's on his personal 11000 views on that video i know goalie gear nerd sh- showed it too but he's legit on the top of it and he takes his feet off the ground and presses all his weight down into his pad and uh yeah we built it basically like a brick so uh <laughs> you know that you could put, you could stand a couple people on there and that thing's not moving how he how he gets around in that though like i'm yeah, still yeah, very that's... old school like i want it to be soft and like flexible yeah. not that i'm any good at hockey but uh i don't know how he gets around in that like that's, that's insane amazing. to me so
4: yeah no he's a special dude he's <laughs> But he's a he's a he's been loyal to you guys.
0: Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It takes a lot of work, but we meet in the middle somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I wanted to ask you here, Dusty, like you spent one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine years in the Japanese league, and then, you know, twelve. three. twelve. Twelve. Okay, so yeah. twelve. And then it, it turned into like the with the OG Eagles. You had three in oh, the sorry. Asia League. But yeah. It,
4: it, yeah, it was 12 years in the, the league was the same except the last 3 years I was there they did that whole uh Asia League thing they brought in two Chinese teams to uh a, a Russian team and two Korean teams. Yeah. And uh yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was stupid, but anyways.
0: <laughs> I was going to ask, I mean, I'm very curious because you look at Japanese culture around baseball and some mm-hmm. sports like uh, sumo wrestling being one of those, but baseball, they, they get behind and they have the cheerleaders and the dancing. And when you watch clips of games, it's kind of like soccer internationally where people aren't moving around. Like people sit and enjoy and watch the game. They don't show up like we do. When I go to a tiger's game, I buy a ticket. I'm going to the Pepsi stand and I'm buying like three or four beers right off the rip. And we're all going to hang out. Yeah, and yeah. You might catch part of the game. Like I don't sit in the stands, but you watch that in Japan. Did you guys get that for hockey or what was that like over there?
4: Yeah, uh, it had its own vibe, but it's definitely similar in that sense. Yep. Uh, and they would have big sections that were dedicated solely to clapping those things and, and chanting their sayings, and it was pretty hilarious. And they, our team, uh, and all the teams in in the league are are owned by companies, right? So, yep. our Cebu company, uh, had. <laughs> had a cheer section and they would all have to wear the girls would wear like cheerleading stuff and the guys would wear the guy cheerleading stuff and they would cheer with that whole section and they're all employees and they're they they have to come that's they get you don't volunteer it's like
1: company mandatory event
4: oh yeah you got your this is your role this year and you're doing this they end up loving it and they become major fans but it's the first while it was mind-bending, it was just kind of funny. We the imports we'd always make jokes about it because it just was like they'd say these stupid sayings, uh, and try to say things in English. They would chant in English because we were kind of like the ones that guided the team. Yeah. But it, it was pretty hilarious. My kids used to go in the section too and and <laughs> my mom my uh my wife would let the kids go into the section and, and stand on the in the stairs. Where the cheerleaders would stand and put their pom poms and shit and and do do those <laughs> crazy cheers, but yeah, it was definitely different, definitely different.
0: Um, I'd like to think, and I wanted your input on here, um, more of a statement or a question, I get, or more of a question than a statement. I'd assume the uh, the Japanese league compared to the dub had a few less fights. Is that fair yeah, to say? Yeah, we,
4: we tried hard. We tried really hard. We had a, especially Cebu, uh, we built a reputation um, and it, yeah, we tried really hard to because we weren't as talented as come, like a couple of those other teams that w- they'd won all the championships for 15 years before yeah. we'd come in there, and we kind of tried to bully our way through. <laughs> it worked actually, uh, but uh yeah, it was people thought we were nuts. I, in my first year I was the most penalized goalie in the history of the league uh,
1: <laughs> year one
4: in the first year so like Love I remember I, I when I played for the Olympic team you know the other goalie the Japanese goalie uh Iwasaki we sat and had drinks and with the translator he told me that uh he thought I was absolutely crazy and he 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 thought that uh, Nobody liked us at the beginning, but then after over time, they started to respect us. But he couldn't believe that one goalie could have that many penalties. And uh, I was just kind of how I was brought up, right? It was weird. I was, (laughs) oh, I was so. We have we have stories to tell, man. I was so different back then. It's ironic because people as know me as a coach, yeah. I've got this, you know buddha zen kind of vibe going and people think i'm so chill and i am now but i was not like that at (laughs) all as a player just an absolute (laughs) fucking
0: psycho in the room Uh, (laughs) i
4: I used to snap sticks every game i had six sticks a game and uh a game not the year (laughs) yeah oh, i would snap a couple a game you know easy no problem (laughs)
0: Uh, did you, I mean, I guess on the, on that question, Dusty, did you ever go after other players? Like they zip one past the, uh, the old bow tower there and you go after him with a tomahawk or.
4: Yeah, I've done some, yeah, I've done some pretty bad stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remember a, a, one time with the national team, we were t- touring before the Olympics and we were on this 30 day stint. We were all over the place and it was right at the end and I was like, done. I wanted to go home. And uh, we were playing in the against a French no Swiss league team. I can't remember, but it was in a French city. Okay. And uh, there are a couple imports on that side, but we were we were right at the last game of the the tour, and um, we were on they were on a power play, and the ref was giving them all the calls, and then it was a five on three, and then another five on three, and I was just ready to snap, and this guy kept going through my crease. Mm-hmm. and And he was bumping me, and I said if you if you hit me one more time, I, I'm you're gonna get my lumber and And he laughed, he was laughing. He spoke English, and then he tapped the knob of my stick. You know how you
0: yeah, you give him the
4: smack, the stick and, it, and the puck went in. And, and uh he went and he went cheering into the corner as he skated by me, he skated by me as he did. It, it was pretty unreal, yeah. pretty good move. And he's they're all meeting him in the corner and I just chased him down and I <laughs> I I put the paddle of my stick in my glove this way. Yeah. And I right across his teeth. And I knocked all his jibs out. And um <laughs> the fans were throwing beers, they had to cancel the game and they had to escort us out to the bus. So
1: <laughs> oh, unreal.
4: Yeah, I'd probably be in jail for that now. Today. What
0: what did uh what do they say in that shorzy season he's like i'm gonna fucking stamp cooper on your teeth that's what yeah, that's what Dusty yeah, yeah. did. <laughs>
1: legit oh
0: yeah, man
4: the, the federation wasn't too thrilled with me that time
0: yeah no that's a tough look for the japan national team but uh i mean going <laughs> back to the team you were playing with with the in the JI, uh, Hl.
4: i mean mm-hmm. it sounds like
0: you guys might have been like the uh charlestown chiefs of the the, the
1: japanese definitely leagues. sounds like it yeah <laughs>
4: We were good. Don't get me wrong. We had like a we had some really good imports that came in. We had Yeah, like Ned Brady, right? <laughs> we had some good guys, but it was uh we did try to make our mark early. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm glad. That's the way you got to get her done. Um <laughs> I wanted to. Obviously, this is a really cool question just because of uh Like me and Connor coach, Moiser coaches, painters started goalie coaching now too. Um, Mm -hmm. But I wanted to kind of get into the breakdown because obviously this is an older topic, but Jack Campbell, after he had been with Dallas, came to LA and him and Peter Budai talked about the rejuvenation of their career. But Soup obviously is a different one just based on knowing him from his background and kind of what he Mm -hmm. was going through. The mental lift, I think that you helped him with because When we talk to goalie coaches, athletes that we deal with, the goalies, they know what to do, right? They know how to make a save. You're going to correct little things. You're going to work on your fucking Panda. You're going to your RVH, your diving boat check, whatever. Like we can fine tune this stuff and get our reads better. But for the most part, these athletes know what to do. It's escaping the mental trap of, you know, even the quicksand of how a game's going or the anxiety or like, you know, what we've been learning about is there's a lot of goalies and players that are very good in practice. They're great at scrimmages, Mm -hmm. but when they step on the ice for a game that matters, there's that anxiety that sets in where they just shut down and they can't perform. So my question was just was like, what was it like working with Jack going through that? And what did you kind of, what buttons did you learn that like, Hey, we got to uncover this or we got to push here. We got to figure this out.
4: Yeah. Everybody's a little bit different and can be very different with, with Jack, with Jack in particular, when I first had him, I flew him out to Vancouver to stay with me right when we made the deal. Just so I had him before we even went to our first camp together, figured out really quickly with him. uh, It was, he identified his uh, self-worth as a, as a person with his achievements or or lack thereof. Right. His failures uh, equated with who he was as a person and uh he he took it everything very very if you know him at all he, he's a very personal personable guy and wears his heart on his sleeve and and can be very emotional about things so when he felt he didn't make the nhl in his first year that's when it all started like it, it started from there and the anxiety for for not achieving a goal was just overcoming and overpowering for him and it was to the by the time i got him it was really bad in his life i'm not talking hockey he was not in a good place so i once i figured that out um i my my main focus with him was just to appreciate um himself and love himself and that we were going to be okay um if he makes it to la which i my whole my my whole focus was going to help him to try to make it into the NHL again, but if we didn't, we were going to have a great time along the way, and we're going to be okay. And you're still the best person I know. And and uh, and once he got that, he came to the rink with enjoyment and 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 excitement for each day, and he was grateful for each day he had, as opposed to the fact that he wasn't in the NHL yet. It just went like this one. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it skyrocketed for him because the kid had talent right yeah and uh you know there are things he obviously was lost he didn't know how he was he was actually when we first skated together that summer in vancouver he was skating like Helly, uh and because him and Helly were skating in the off season and yeah. soup was trying everything he had his hands like this and and i had both guys so i i was like what are you doing yeah, and, he, <laughs> and he's like, I don't know, man. I'm just trying stuff. Hell, he's having a great year, and he's doing
0: it. So I gotta. <laughs> I'm
4: like, dude. I said, well, when you're playing your best, like, how would you play? And he he was explaining how he was just loose and diving around, making big saves. And I'm like, well, let's start there. Yeah, and that's kind of how we we started with you know some of the technical stuff, but, but it was really about the other part in his head. And once that he was lifted from that burden of achieving, you know, this goal of being an, an NHL goalie within himself, he he changed as a person, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's, it's, that's one of the things that fans, uh, you know, true people that know hockey would understand, but some people don't understand how you don't just continue to move up. You don't just jump from the dub or the CHL or NCAA to pro and then step into the A and NHL there's so many pressures that come with that. Um, I was watching, uh, I'm watching that Tim Tebow, the untold on Netflix a little bit. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about, he's like, because for, especially in the sec and, you know, Southern football and stuff like the amount of pressure that's on an athlete to one perform for themselves, but two for the team and to achieve goals or to win a national championship for Florida or for Jack to make an NHL team and be an NHL caliber goalie. Um, the the immense pressure besides just having to go out there and make stops and like deal with chirping or guys taking a run at you and like all those little intricacies intricacies of the game it's fucking like it's the it's a mountain of pressure that you're just kind of stockpiling and you know you look at where Jack came from the program so like there's expectations there going to Mm -hmm. the you know uh, to what's it called and winning he won it did he win a Mem Cup or was it just the OHL
4: no he he won the yeah he I don't think he did no he won the World Junior.
0: One World Junior. And yeah. then with, uh, I know that OHL team, but with Windsor, the Spitfires, where he was, like was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but people keep talking to you. And we, we, we look at prospects today and the amount of pressure that, like, oh, he's going to be an NHLer. You see the headlines. And they see that, too. Like, we've yeah. talked with Alex Lyon before, where he deleted all his social media while he was at Yale. Because after a good game, or maybe it was a couple years pro. But regardless, he would read tweets. He would search his name and see what people were saying about him, yeah. whether it was good or bad. And yeah. back in the day, you didn't have that because it'd come out in the paper, you know, Dickie Dunn wrote it and everybody'd read it.
3: Yeah. And
0: it was just such a different, different beast. But the other question I have for you is how do you, what like advice? Cause I know we, I want to get into it mm-hmm. um, with what you're doing personally now, but do you have advice for goalies, whether it's a junior or pro Or NCAA, how do you get around reading the headlines? How do you get around dealing with the weight of the media? You know that's so heavy on guys. Like you look at what happened with Jack going to Toronto and then Edmonton. People say they don't want to play in Canadian markets because it's so much harder, right? You could play in Dallas. You could play in Florida. You can hide. You can go out in the public. You, if you're playing for the oil, you're playing for the Leafs. If you go out in public, people see you. They recognize you. When you're mm-hmm. in Fort Lauderdale, you could go out to eat, and people won't know it's you know. Well, they might know Bobrovsky because it's obviously a pretty rushing looking guy, but like you know, some guys don't get recognized down there. You
4: yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's definitely tough for the kids nowadays uh, compared to when, say, I was coming up. Uh, Cal just texted me <laughs> <laughs> about that about that uh, neck guard. Anyways, um, it's it's definitely um. Different and it's it's something I have to help navigate a lot. But one of the things is you you can deal with it some ways, like putting in a band-aid on and say delete your social media, you know. Yeah, I choose to to work on the person more from within so they're strong enough to handle social media, right? Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of good and you can have a lot of fun and keeping up with the Joneses and stuff like that. Uh I think it shows uh, a bit of, not weakness, but it, it's like, you're not, you haven't really worked on the actual problem, you know, and that's the confidence within yourself and you're just choosing to try to block it out. I, I don't, I, I don't think it's healthy to maybe go tweet your name. I mean, uh, search your name for tweets, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, you know, if you're going to see some stuff here and there, fine, whatever, you know, I want you to be strong enough to understand that that's part of the game. And these are just fans. And yep. that's, that's their right. And they can, <laughs> there's crazy stuff that's being said. Yeah. And you can just not look at it. You know, if you're in stints where, you know, uh, you're coming into the playoffs or whatever, or you're starting to feel that anxiety, pull off back, pull back from it. But I really try hard with the, the, the younger ones, especially to try to build some resiliency towards this because it's not going away. Right. Yeah. And even if you say, don't look at it, someone's going to talk you. Did you see that? Or now you're like, oh, great. Now yeah. you, you subconsciously know that they're saying things. You know, and we all struggle with it, you know, Supes, um, since with the whole Edmonton thing, there was a lot we had to work through, you know, with what, you know, it's kind of cre- crept back into his mindset about having to, you know, live up to expectations mm-hmm. and things. And so it shows. You, you got to really maintain the the old noggin up here and be strong, and or else it can get away from you. Even when you think you got it figured out, you constantly have to work on it. And uh, that's why you know when you talk about my job now and the the support is really helpful. Because sometimes when you're in the shit, it's hard to sometimes see the light. <laughs> Big time. And it, and uh, if you just have someone to kind of get you back and put you back on the tracks and, and focus in the right direction, it, it's very helpful.
0: Absolutely. Um, before we get ahead of ourselves, I do want to ask, what was it like getting your one game with Jonah? Like talk about a pretty cool e yeah. setup. set up. You slide in there and you get to dress with him and share a game. Like pretty cool story.
4: Yeah. Well, it's the high, it was the highlight of my hockey life, yep. playing or coaching uh it definitely because when you add in family and and stuff like that it just was a whole nother level at the time when it happened though it I wasn't I wasn't taking it all in in that way I'll be honest yeah. <laughs> it was it happened so fast and I was just really concerned about uh Jonah having a good experience and and being ready uh and focused on having been playing his first American league hockey game. I didn't want it to be a distraction because it, it, it blew up so fast. Like it, well, I was actually in LA when it happened. And cause Billy was, uh, went home for a bit. Uh, and I was doing the pregame skate with the Kings. They were playing Canucks that night. Yep. And, uh, and then they'd already had injuries. So Jonah was up backing up, soup in ontario and i i, I want to see boo it was boods and Zatkoff.
0: okay oh and man Zats, what a throwback of a name yeah and and,
4: and, and zatz went down like he was screaming like like he his leg fell off and he was yeah. down and we're all standing around him and uh they couldn't even get up and yeah. uh, I literally got a wave from the bench and I went off the ice and Blakey said, uh, we just talked to uh, and we're not gonna be able to get a backup. Uh you gotta go drive to Ontario and back up Jonah. <laughs> and I'm like, All right. Uh, I said, You sure that that's he goes, Yeah, I he, he goes, Can you handle it? And I said, Well, I can handle it. I I just if that's you know you know it's going to be a, a big th- deal yeah. you know he goes no no it's the only that's the best thing is so just get on on the on the highway right now so i would literally uh i jumped in the car and there's my phone was just going off the hook like right away and uh even like kevin woodley already knew about it and he wanted so i did a on the phone interview <laughs> as i'm driving to the rink back to Ontario and uh, then my wife called me and she's like, what is going on? Jonah just called me. And uh, I said, yeah, I'm going to back up Jonah. And she's freaking out and everybody's freaking out. Family's freaking out. And, and then I get there and the whole team is just googly eyed laughing. (laughs) My stall and Jonah's stall and my stall are right next to each other. All with the, our name plates are up there, and our gear is all set, and it was, it became the coolest thing. But then I was like, now I'm I'm a coach, right? I'm a freaking coach too." Yeah. And I'm like, so I literally was like, there was like zero focus on. I didn't care about being on the ice. I'd practiced with the team before. Yeah. But it was like I didn't know where to be. Like it. Like not that I didn't know where to be in warm-ups but for him I didn't want to be visible I didn't yeah am I too close to him am I letting him do his thing so I'm like fucking standing way over yeah <laughs> uh, it was it was the most surreal thing and then during the game it was the coolest thing but it was you know he'd come to the bench and we were talking and it was the neatest thing man and now I can look back at it and it was just the most awesome experience ever
0: yeah yeah, because, like, there's so many layers to what you're doing in a game. So, like, I get what you mean by, like, you you know where to stand. It's like being in on the ice, you kind of go in when he wants you to go in for warm-ups and stuff like that. But on the many fucking layers of this onion that we're going to call where you're his dad, his goalie coach, now you're his, his goalie partner, you're the mm-hmm. e-bug, like, there's just so many different things that yeah. overcomplicate it. But, uh, yeah, like, what a cool experience. I mean, when coming to the bench, for TV timeouts in between periods, like for him, talk about being in a great spot where he are just sitting next to him and be like, Oh, how do you feel? You know, yeah. what's the read no, on this?
4: He was really, he actually helped calm me because whenever I would talk to him, he would seem pretty chill about the whole thing and pretty focused on what he's doing. Good. He didn't, he, he's been really good with me and vice versa through our whole interaction. I would, in him growing up through junior and stuff. He always wanted to hear stuff from me. I never went to him first. Mm-hmm. So he was very much like that as well. He asked, he goes, you see anything? And, um, and then if I told him, he would just take it. Or mm-hmm. if, you know, he was just really good with that during the game. So, yeah, I th- I thought it, w- it was him that was a lot more calm than I was inside anyways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just chill out, man. We got this. Let's go. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um what do we have next up here? Oh, so you got to experience one of the most insane years in hockey when you went to China for Kunlun 1920 year. That was a pretty big pretty big year.
4: Uh-huh. uh-huh.
0: <laughs> I mean we talked to some of those guys the start of that year though was nuts like the travel for that Chinese team was brutal right
4: yeah it's I, I I could write a whole book on just that whole year it was uh, while we were going through it I was like this is stupid like there were some things that I thought this is just out of hand yeah. but looking back at it what a gr- it was a great experience yeah it was a I met some really nice people too and, and built some good friendships but you know, I'll be honest with you. I got to be careful. You know, I signed an NDA with them. Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was not it was not perfectly run. Let's just say. Yeah. So there were some crazy travel stories, yeah. like insane stuff, and uh, the. And even just the normal things like staying, we you could stay at a Ritz one night and then you could stay at a place that lit- literally looked like it had been in World War III. You know, like, it was, it was nuts. Like, w- there was this one hotel that had this elevator and it was no bigger than me. Yeah. And you could hear it going... Rrr, rrr, like, had to build up the motor so it could get going. And... It was just like you would shake your head going, where are we? Some of these towns, there would be like some awesome towns and then some places you couldn't believe that they actually had a hockey team. Mm -hmm. And But this, it it was really great for the story. (laughs) There's some great stories, man. And some of those stories that you hear about the league are like true. (laughs) (laughs) I don't
0: doubt it, man.
4: I'll say that. Um,
0: I mean, the K is like the Wild West and anything kind of goes and yeah. <clears throat> you're just dealing with different countries and like the way they handle shit is just sketchy. But uh, yeah, I could just imagine you guys pull into a city and you're in a hostel with a bunch of college kids just raving all night, <laughs> holding on to your bags while you sleep.
4: <laughs> yeah, there's, it's different. It's different. But um, I'll tell you what, like there, there are some of the cities, though, that it, it's, it's run like like some of the bigger name places are run really well yeah. and uh and some beautiful rinks and yeah. and uh you know moscow's cool like i it, there's there's some things you get led to believe about you know there that you don't see when you're there yep like it, it's actually nice in in places yeah and um yeah no it was, overall i wouldn't have changed it for the world but uh and, and then you add in, once we head into the second part of the season in, in 2020, uh, yeah. and I think it was like the January 22nd, I think we were flying, we were heading to the airport to go on a on just a regular eight-day trip mm-hmm. <laughs> and got the word we weren't going back. Uh, they were lock, lock, locking us out. Uh, we weren't allowed back into China, so we had to stay, and we based ourselves out of Moscow. And stayed in a hotel for the rest of the season and played all our home games wherever and just kind of said we're the home team here uh <laughs> and play the rest of the year there. Yeah. And, yeah. So it was really weird with the whole COVID thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean it's probably best they, they kept you guys out so that way you eventually you could figure out how way to get home because I'm sure getting out of getting out of there wouldn't be easy. <laughs> um yeah. but uh I well I'm not gonna name names but we had talked to a couple players before who had gone through it um, and experienced that, that whole shutdown and uh, not on here by any means, but uh, they were talking about like all the, all your belongings. So whether they had an apartment house, wherever they were living, like they had to call on somebody that stayed back. That was, you know, a part of the team or whatever and trying to navigate how to ship their shit to wherever it was in Russia. And then it wouldn't, it never showed up. And then it was supposed to go to like the U S and, like there's a lot of cool shit that got left behind that somebody's hanging on to, like video games, golf clubs, like all that kind of shit is just wherever now.
4: I just got a text like four days ago from a lady from the company. You got uh, you leave
0: some underwear and some shirts behind no, I, or I, I have
4: a case of my watches.
0: Oh no.
4: <laughs> and one of them is an Olymp from the Olympics that oh. was given to me from the Japanese Federation uh engraved and another one was from the Calder cup and uh and then some watches i bought there uh, and uh i thought they were gone they were like oh yeah yeah we'll send them we don't know how and i'm like ah, i don't even want to go there man it would, but i did get it she says
0: are you getting them back that's the question right she,
4: she says that uh, someone uh, I think some parents of one of the players are there and they're going to give them to them because they live in Vancouver. Now, I don't know if it's Yipper or uh, someone's parents that live in Vancouver, uh, but apparently I'm getting them.
1: Holy shit. it's <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> oh. I, I thought have... for sure gone forever. No chance.
4: Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I'd forgotten about them. I was sour. I want I don't post uh rants or negative stuff, but that one
1: I've been fired up I, about I it wanted for sure. to
4: just say something because I that wouldn't have been anything regarding the NDA. I'd be like, they you know, these watches were important. I mean, all they did do is ship them, you know. Right. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, apparently I'm getting them. So wow. we'll see.
0: Hell yeah. Hell yeah, Dusty.
1: Um don't call to come back.
4: <laughs> uh the other thing i wanted
0: to just to ask you about and in general question now from goalie coaching and where you're currently at you're running mm-hmm. what the website is the uh the goalie um yeah what are you doing now i mean it seems like you're coaching a lot of kids are you doing a lot of online stuff you're also doing a lot of like personal uh development yeah from a mental standpoint so it seems like it's not just hockey it's you're covering all mental bases
4: yeah it, it kind of organically uh, evolved into helping others it wasn't like I went and sought that out Um, but yeah when it started from coming back from the K and then the the NHL was already going and then the bubble stuff so it was like I wasn't going to start work here and I was already helping guys like Soup and Cal and all these guys on the phone Mm -hmm. and um, I thought you know I could do this with other nhl guys and and, and american leaguers and because in truth all of like 80 90 percent of my success of how all that my track record of helping guys is off, off the ice yeah like i'm good at i'm a good coach on the ice I, I feel i'm good at what i do but the where the real success was happening was off the ice so i thought you know i could do that with other guys and not be locked into one team and so then I just kind of started it. And then I got a phone call from a few parents and I kind of said, that I didn't know if I could add value for the price I was charging for kids, but then someone from LA, uh, a fan had a kid that was really struggling becoming introverted and bullied and, and, and stuff. And I thought, you know what, I I'll talk to him. And I, I, actually in my third year now with him and have changed his life around. So when I, I started to see that, I was like, you know what? That's I got a real rush out of that and helping people in that way. And I thought, you know what, I'll I'll start helping some kids. And then it as long as it was for the right reason, because I would get parents calling me about seeing that I was an ex NHL goalie coach and a pro hockey player that maybe would elevate their kid.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're going to get that all the time. I'm not about that.
4: I'm not about that. You know, what I do helps people in, in achieving goals and success, but it comes from a whole different place. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just wanted to build strong uh, human beings and individuals, uh, even if they don't make it. And so I was right into, to to doing that. And then as the kids things started happening, I, I asked, I, I started getting some uh, people that were not in sports because they just would watch me on Insta or, or video or, or, or YouTube or whatever. And they thought they were having trouble with some addiction issues or, or, you know, um, life issues in, in, in their, in their jobs or whatever. Yeah. And I said, I would try, you know, it's not my, I'm not, uh, schooled in that, but I'd be more than happy to help. And I realized I was pretty good at that and I didn't have to be, um, have a, a college education to to use how I do things, anyways, and help people. So I, I'm I've opened it up to anyone really that is willing to maybe try out the way I go about things. So yeah, it's kind of morphed into something a little bit different. You know, I call it the I called it the goalie therapist as a joke uh, at the beginning because media and stuff would kind of call me this goalie guru or shaman and. I thought it was funny, Yeah, <laughs> uh, but now I, I think some people think, cause it says goalie therapist that it's, but I'm at that point where I don't care. I'm not changing it. It's who I am. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll help anybody who, who feels they need to level up and get stronger, you know, kind of inside and up here. Right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think the cool part when you talk about helping someone that's young though, like talk about such a pivotal age. Like I said, we coach and stuff, and like we're trying to make kids better, which helps build self esteem. But it, in terms of like taking a kid that's dealing with social pressures, bullying, and stuff like that, and possibly giving them a better outlook or like helping them regain a mental balance and finding, you know, security with themselves and being a little bit right. more confident again, that changes everything for them moving forward. You know, oh. their outlook on life, how they do in school, how they do in sports, which. Holy you know, uh, uh, hopefully everything for this player, this person trends upwards, but uh, talk about being impactful and, you know, outside of just, all right, we're going to make you a better goal and we're going to bump your save percentage by a couple hundredths of a point, right?
4: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I think they get that right away when we first start talking that uh, I'm not about that. We do an intro meeting usually before they decide and the kids are usually like really responsive very quickly because they understand that I'm not there to push them uh, in their skills or whatever. And I'm up there for them. And then obviously they start to see results in their work ethic and their commitment to something. And then their skills do get better. Right. We talk about hockey later on as we get more comfortable Um and I take video in when they want it and, I, and I'll give them kind of the NHL uh, video uh, sit down, down yeah. like I did. They they like to see that, but it's not what I'm about. Um, even when I was a coach back in the NHL, my video <laughs> sessions are a lot different than most people. You know, the average Joe, you know, I know Billy used to love to bring like 120 clips and I'd be <laughs> like, dude, I, I would like literally sift through them and uh and I'd have like fifteen and yeah. uh and pick one thing to work on or something or sometimes I would just go, wow, that was awesome. Yeah. And they would leave there all jacked and ready to go. But it was like I, I just was I was like that even back then and now with the kids and, and doing video, it's more about them just feeling comfortable and and uh in their own skin. And becoming stronger and stronger. And then it, it translates out onto the ice for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but parents really seem to appreciate that because they can see change in them at home. And like you said, it translates over to school and friendships and things like that as well.
0: Yeah, just having that better outlook, I think, is uh, it creates a much more positive kid. And the other thing like that I've faced del- working with the kids and uh, trying to develop them is if they're having stuff off the ice that's negative and they're dealing with, you know, bullying or anything like that and then they come to the ice hockey's not fun anymore and when you start to struggle now that's an added pressure so yeah. now not only are you dealing with shit maybe at school or maybe at home or whatever it is and then you go to hockey and because you're not mentally engaged there and you're not excited to be there you're not performing so now this is another negative space where she should always be as an activity or you know sport should be fun and should be some sort of release or getaway. Now that's a negative space. So now like, you know, the, I call it the quicksand. Everything just starts to go to shit. Right. Yeah. start sinking. So,
4: yeah, it, it was a really good feeling too, being able to help them at it. Like at first, when that first kid I had, he was 11 <laughs> and I was like, 11 years old. Like, how are they going to, how are they um, going to benefit from me? You know, at my life, I'm not saying like i i'm here and there there but like i really got to really shift you know where is my focus going to be how am i going to speak to them but you know i i figured out quickly though that at that age is really when as far as what i'm trying to work on is where you can build a a real good base mm-hmm. uh, of how they should how they should be thinking in their own heads about themselves and what they do in everyday life and, and once I would get them in the the NHL in pro, in pro level, kids coming from junior, it becomes it's a lot more difficult. They're a lot more hardwired. Yeah, and you got to do a lot more work this way. I like it's like I can really help uh, reshape quickly uh, how they think about things. You know, I gotta I gotta dumb it down a little bit uh, and make it uh, understandable to them yeah um and simplify it a little bit but living and having gratitude and being humble and uh and these kinds of things they can understand that stuff if you explain it simply and man some of these kids develop if you don't if you have parents and i know god love them we all love our parents but we they can lose sight of kind (laughs) of um what the whole goal is here and become very pushy and and they're on them. And, and man, you start molding these kids and they just get a real sour taste in their mouths about everything. Yep. And and, um, that's why I enjoy working with some of the younger ones as well. You know, I still work with, you know, pros and stuff. All your high end guys. Yeah. But I really enjoy helping some of these young kids, you know, develop this way of being, you know, Mm
0: Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And like you said, it's, uh, <laughs> there, and it always seems to be parents that don't play hockey, right? Like they're, <laughs> well, the other hard part is to your market. So like, I'm sure people in LA think everyone's going to go pro now, you know, you win a couple Stanley cups and hockey becomes popular. And I yeah. know there's a lot of money in those areas and oh, hockey's yeah. not a cheap sport. So it's not like you're getting people that can't afford it and they want to pay for like, we talk about all the time that, you know, all, all this extra coaching and ice sessions and like their kids going to the NHL. You know, I might be a, as a parent, five, five, and my wife's five, three, but I think this kid's going to be a starting goalie someday. Um, and I think, uh, I don't know, it's, that's one of those hard things that's tough to deal with. But like you said, you kind of massage it out and you, you just deal with that kid and kind of put things in a better perspective for him. So,
4: yeah. When I do my intro meeting before I accept anybody, uh, if they're young enough, like, uh, even I would say even teenagers but like 15 years old and younger I encourage the parents to sit in mm-hmm. for the first half hour or so and then I'll talk to the kid alone after but the big part is the beginning because I want them to understand right away what um what this is all about and yep. uh and then they're welcome to say yeah this was really what I, we were thinking you know we want video analysis and all you know all of this but most now do enough research they know what they're um, getting yeah they, they there's a reason why they're they're calling me um mm-hmm. more times than not but yeah. uh yeah it's it's a tough thing for parents i know good people loving good supportive parents that i don't know if it's the there's a gas in the rink but people go psycho like good people change yeah. it's yeah. weird <laughs> so i can sometimes help them too you know yeah. i do a, i do a parents with athletes thing and uh, uh and help out parents you know keep them grounded as well yeah because we we can all lose sight yeah.
0: mm-hmm. now dusty you, i've seen in your content i've watched your videos and stuff and i know you brought it up before and obviously with where you're at and what you do it probably helps but i wanted to see clearing the air with stuff i mean Having gone through the canceling and what you went through, Mm -hmm. does your perspective now help you move forward? Because for a lot of people, you look at what that does. And when you talk about like major, major celebrities, like you look at what Lizzo's going through and you deal with the backlash of your fans and everybody, you know, everyone gets a voice now on Instagram. They get comments on Twitter. They get tweets. You look at I think what's really interesting. Me and my fiance talk about this. I don't know if Connor and Evan are Doja Cat fans, but what she did just did, she alienated all her fans and said, I don't want like these groups. I don't want these. I don't know what you call them. What do you, Oh, stands like people that are like diehard, diehard Doja Cat fans. She's like, I don't want you guys. You guys aren't my fans, blah, blah. And she got rid of them. And then later on, like a couple weeks later, uh, a report came out. She's like, this is the happiest I've ever been because she doesn't have to deal with people constantly tweeting what she's doing, what she's following, things like that. But, you talk about those people and dealing with cancelling and how it totally alters their career. And I was Mm -hmm. just curious how you went through this and your perspective and what you thought of how everything shook down.
1: Looking for the fastest way to rehydrate? Look no further than Drip Drop. Breakthrough rehydration that keeps you going. Packed with key electrolytes, vitamins, and minerals to help you dig deeper, go longer, and do more of what you love. Try today and feel the difference. Learn more at dripdrop.com. Be sure to check out the link in the bio and go to Between Two Post Instagram for 15% off. Stay hydrated.
4: You know, I think a lot of my makeup helped me because one, my my upbringing uh, helped. And then also as an elite athlete and the mindset of, you know, you can't hold me down for too long. I can't, I'm not going to sit here and wallow yeah. and become the victim, you know victim mentality in today's younger generation is a massive massive problem and uh it just isn't in my makeup. so that helped uh I wasn't gonna be held down for too long, but I'm not gonna lie when when you're in the public eye and your whole identity of who you are is just crushed
0: mm-hmm.
4: uh, and you can't you can't stop it, all right? And it's it's not true, but you know you can't stop it, and it, it becomes very difficult to 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 look at that and not be able to change it like that uh, is is tough to handle. But I think my upbringing and how I was helped, and then also I tried, I was already uh, practice trying to practice what I preach and how mm-hmm. I with helping others. I got to understand. That these are just a, a few and not the many, and um, and everybody can do what, say what they want uh, doesn't mean that's who I am, uh, you know, ego and and self, you know, image and stuff, you know, because is, is can be important. I know it's important because it, you know it affects my business, but yep. I didn't want to let that t- affect me personally. Because I know who I am. My f- friends and people who love me know who I am. This is a bunch of bullshit. Like it, and that's all that matters. You know, the people that don't know me, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, the ego sometimes can get in the way. And you're like, oh, man, like, everybody thinks this of me, right? But uh, I shook that. I, I, you know, I made a conscious effort. And I, I'll say it, it helped me because I had six months, you know, i legally, I had, I had to lay low for six months. So I shut off my, I, I, um, shut off my social media, but it wasn't because I was scared and, and, and whatever is because I had to. Um, but once I had, cause you know, the whole Toronto thing. And, and once I was allowed to, I wasn't going to be taken off this, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, so I and people are like, you don't have it privatized, and I'm like, no, I don't care. Like, I'll delete someone if they're being a dick, but like, it rarely happens. Um, uh, people, you know, I, I'm yesterday's news, so people move on to the next uh victim. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, damage was done, but I, I, I do believe in things happening for reasons, and and I, I made, I made a better suit. I'm happy. Uh, I'm helping people, and to tell be honest with you guys, I, I don't know if you know this, but I never really fit in <laughs> in the whole NHL thing. Anyways, the guys in LA and, and Winnipeg they let me do my thing because I'm good at what I do and I get re- results. Yeah, but it was always a thing. I hated ties. I hated I hated cutting my hair. I, I <laughs> you know, I mean, I I just hate that stuff. I never jived with it. and being at the rink from six seven 30 till five when i'm done at noon yeah you know the goalies are gone yeah. you know what, what you know what do i have to, so i was never fit in with that and when i started doing this you know i missed i missed the rink i missed the guys i missed that camaraderie of it all. always i love the game uh, but i don't miss that other stuff i hate the biz i don't let I don't miss any of that. And I love what I'm doing. I love helping people. And I feel I'm making a difference. And it just led me down this path. And And thank you for all the dicks that um, did all that <laughs> and said all those nasty things and got me canceled and fired within 48 hours.
1: <laughs> well,
0: I think the shit part is too, because like, to be honest, Dusty, I don't know where I was, but. I, I completely forgot about this and maybe I didn't see it when it had happened. Um just because I was still trying to like at that point find, you know, I was working on AAA and, you know, gnarled junior kids and USHL stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh and wasn't heavily involved with pro yet. But like I went back and I started looking at things and seeing what had happened back in 18 or whatever it was. And uh the funny part is when I look at these people that had quote tweeted there somebody's tweeting an article about dusty said this look at this look at that all those accounts are gone so it's funny that i'm curious you know i'll never know because these are probably little pigeons that fucking couldn't be more irrelevant but the fact that their twitter accounts are suddenly gone now that's fucking funny to me right it's like you're throwing a lot of stones i'd like to know what happened here right
4: it's really you know it's be a conspiracy theorist or whatever. But it is interesting on in how it shook down. Uh In the evening, I signed the contract and I sent it back to the team. And then in the morning, they tweeted it and announced it. And then a bunch of people were calling me, texting me. My son texted me. He said, oh, that's awesome. I saw it on Twitter. And congratulations. And my oldest boy texted me a, half an hour later, half an hour. Yeah. And he said, Dad you, you better get on your Twitter? you're getting roasted. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, just go on. And I went on and uh, there are three my lawyers looked through and there's three people, you know, a couple young like eighteen year old uh, um, kids girls, yeah, and uh, one BM, BLM or maybe yeah. uh, with five followers. <laughs> and they went through all my Twitter likes. and nothing I said. And if, I don't know if you go on Twitter to go through likes, they screenshot all these likes and we're talking, you have to scroll and to get back to where they went to Yeah, takes time. And then they, they just, all three of them pumped out this stuff called, you know, all those things like anti-vaxxer white supremacist, go figure that one. Um, and uh and all this stuff and said nice hire started tagging it and 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 putting the lease on there nice yeah. hire and uh the, the team called me right away and uh said they were on it not to worry and uh the next thing i saw my agent was like uh i don't think we're talking with the team i'm like what are you talking about and then he showed he screenshot me shani's tweet yeah and uh i was like okay that's quick <laughs> 48 hours boom done and uh it was but yeah my there's people in my camp or whatever you want to call it that were like this isn't norm this was like too fast yeah it was like they were ready to just pounce on it the minute i was hired it was weird yeah um, yeah. but you know, it is what, it, you know, it, uh, it, it made me move. It made me, uh, get going and, uh, it put me where I am now. So, I'm well, good. it put
0: you in a great transition, right? So, yeah,
4: yeah, um, no, I'm good.
0: Yeah. That, the other, like I've seen it before, like there's this, God, I can't remember what it was, but there's a clip and there's these guys and they think they're heroes and they're like 18 and they have this account where they publicly will like try to get people canceled or dig up info. The And somebody came up, addressed it and started calling shit out on them and had like, maybe it was Portnoy or something, Mm. but they had screenshots of people saying shit in group chats that somebody had sent him to use as fire. And it's like, don't, you know, throw stones in a glass house. Right. Everybody's got shit. Some, some, unfortunately more serious than others. Some people are kind of fucked up and that's just the way life goes. But like, everyone's got their own shit. Like, And then I think when people get called out after they've been pulling that trigger for a little while, they get shocked and they're like, oh, this is, you know, how could anyone do this to me? It's like, well, you keep doing the same shit, but everyone's going through stuff. Everyone's got things going on in their life. It's just like, I don't know, mistakes can be made and people move on. You know, they
4: wanted me to apologize for like some of my, you know, age and things like that uh, to, to, and I refused. I'm like, it'd be cold day in hell before I apologize for, for, I didn't do anything. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not apologizing. And they're going, well, you'll never work in the NHL. And I don't give a fuck. I said, I'm not apologizing. I said, I'll release a statement when it, once I was allowed to. Yeah. After the six months, but it wasn't an apology. It was just like, you know what? I accept everybody and everybody has the freedom to think however they want. And even if I did say anything, that's my right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, it's my right to have an opinion, but it, yep. I didn't you can you can think whatever you want based on my twitter likes but uh, uh it doesn't affect n- nobody that i work with like they were saying nasty things about me working with jack again and like that how could you have a this type of person working with him like dude i changed his life that's why yeah <laughs> like i don't talk to him about politics or even you know the vax or any of that stuff like yeah. i'm there to help him Mm -hmm. and and, you know my stance on that stuff like i i don't i'm not an activist but i always said that if anyone ever asked me you know from now on like you i was surprised i'm shocked actually that you asked me (laughs) Uh, be being well i didn't know if you guys would bring it up but uh i'm like i'm not i'm not uh shying away from it uh anymore you know i mean i'm not gonna I don't go tweeting stuff. I don't go commenting about my my views because they're my views and and they're my personal views. But if someone were to ever ask me about things from this point on, I don't give a fuck. I'm not I'm not going to shy away from it um, because I'm worried about what people are going to think. Yeah. Yes, I. One thing it did show me is how much support I actually have. Yeah. There were some surprises, obviously, in the NHL world because people are scared and they all care about their jobs. Yeah. And they, yeah. Di- they disappeared. <laughs> but man, I had a ton of support. Well, a ton. That's great. Yeah. So it's, yeah.
0: Well, that's awesome, Dusty. No, we're happy. Um, and we're excited. <laughs> you got the goalietherapist.com. What else do you want to plug? It's the goalie therapist TikTok too, right?
4: No, I, I I only made that because it was the easy to make videos on that. Yeah. Uh, But Instagram would be more of where I'm at uh, as far as just social stuff. Um, And the the big one I just committed to, I just started a course. I've committed to I'm going to make my YouTube channel and be more consistent. No one knew about it. I only made it because it was a way for me to put a video on my website. I needed a URL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But now uh, I figure I'm getting busy to the point where – I want to reach more people uh, in a bigger way, and I can't do that much much grander scale one on one. And I just want to help, give some pointers and tips, and and things to help people. And I thought the YouTube would be a good thing. I just had to learn how to do it properly. So you know, I started uh, a week and a half ago, and I'm going to be more once a week. I'm going to start putting things out. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, so that's the goalie therapist and uh that can be for it, people with anything like addiction and and self-care and and anxiety and all kinds of good stuff.
0: So uh definitely follow Dusty on Instagram at Dusty emo i m o o 70 and uh on his website like I said that's a little bit easier. You can get to the goalietherapist.com. You got anything else Dusty?
4: It's all good man and just keep pumping out the good gear i i'm uh i'm gonna get soup back in there no more so you know.
0: no more 1050s though i'm sorry i was <laughs> <Those are> fucking, <laughs> fucking done 55 55 hundreds out the window 1050s gone out the window
1: yeah uh, I'll,
4: ta- I'll text you that old uh connor i'll text you that old chesty after i'll show you it.
1: i need to see it man that's incredible
4: <laughs> well man. i'll send it to you guys and you can you can post it
1: perfect <laughs> it's too um, scary
0: all right, cool. Well, thanks, Dusty. Thanks for the time. And if you ever need us, give us a shout already.
4: Awesome, man. Love you guys.
0: Thank you. Thanks, yeah. Dusty.